Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast, the podcast where air quotes real professionals interview non-air quotes real professionals. Although today uh, we are running double duty as the uh, air quotes real professionals and the real professional professionals, because today we are talking about conventions and the the work that we do at the conventions. And uh, yeah, I'm about ninety percent coronavirus at this point. How about you guys? I'm running on two percent. <laughs> You know, I've been avoiding it mostly because I have allergies. Uh, so I don't want to go outside. People are outside. Pollen's outside. I'm not going to get it. Oh, uh, I, I, oh, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I, I wanted to start the podcast a certain way. Um, hey, guys, you wanna you wanna hear my uh, podcast third host impression? Yeah, I guess. <sighs> Uh, how hard can it be to run a podcast? It doesn't matter if you're sick. You just do the news, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to show up an hour late. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> that sounds exactly like Jesse. Oh, my God. That is just like Jesse. <laughs> got, got me good. Okay. Uh, DJ, drop that sick beat. Beat, beat drops. Okay, yeah, so anyways, we just got back uh, from uh, PAX East, and by we, I mean Jesse and myself, and then our camera person Shane, who cannot join us on the podcast today, because he has one of those weird day jobs or something, but uh, Jess, Remy's also joining us, because he was recently at DreamHack Anaheim, which I was also recently at, so I'm I'm running double duty as having experienced both of these conventions, and I figured we'd uh, take some time to talk about what it was like and what we'd I seen. I confirm Ted was there. I saw him. Yeah, I mean, I have videos from there, too, if my editor ever fucking finished with them. So we'll find out about that soon. Uh, so stay tuned for further developments from there. But yeah, so I got a double dose of coronavirus from both of those. Um, I'm not sure if the current coronavirus I have is the one that I got at DreamHack, and it's just taken this long to kind of uh, uh, metastasize into the, the, the cancer in my lungs, or if this is uh, a more recent PAX East coronavirus. So I don't know if I have more corona to look forward to in the future. But uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty dead, guys. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to lean on you, both of you, for your sterling. We all know how energetic Jesse usually is for these things. So Yeah, I was also just about to say I hope I can lean on you too. So it looks like Remy's taking taking this Taking charge. <laughs> oh, give me a second. I will be the Atlas who carries the weight of the real professional podcast on my back. We're all being real professionals here. Basically, we're recording this podcast because, uh, A, I thought it would be interesting because I, I realized that not a lot of people actually get to go to these conventions. Because, um, Jesse, this is your first convention, right? This is my first convention, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of jumped in uh, feet first. But also, if we don't record these, then we don't get paid. So, anyways, welcome, welcome to Real Professional. You guys are getting paid? Ah, shit. <laughs> Who let the cat out of the bag with that one? Um, yeah, uh, so we just got back from uh, PAX East. Jesse, uh, as the first time walking into one of these... Con- I would tell people, you don't really understand how massive these conventions can be until you actually like just see the sea of humans. It was really big. Uh, my first impressions, um, have you ever seen industrial farming? Like a, oh, like you a, mean where they're leading the cows to slaughter? 
Yeah, like just a just a huge, huge, uh, you know, warehouse full of like fifty thousand uh, uh, bovine. Um, it was like walking into one of those. Uh, smell and sound all the same. No, actually, it was fine. Um, it didn't smell that bad, surprisingly. Um, and I only saw a couple furries. So, yeah, I will uh, say that the coronavirus my expectations. The coronavirus seems to have done its job and and kept out a lot of people from this PAX because uh, so this is the first PAX East I've been to, but I've been to like E3 and Comic Con and WonderCon and things like that. I would say that PAX East is like maybe one eighth the size of San Diego Comic Con, and I don't know if this year was like a small year because of the coronavirus, but I was actually like being able to walk through the uh, the like troughs i guess i would call them no like the the between booth areas the lanes there we go but yeah so to give you guys at home uh uh, an idea of what it's like to be at uh one of these as as a worker it's it's very different than going through as uh, a fan so we usually get there uh right at the crack of 10 when it opens uh, a little bit earlier so that we can well it depends on what appointments you have. So for me, uh, most of the days I was actually like, there's pre-appointment stuff that you can do offsite. Um, let, let's kind of go through this in a, a way that makes logical sense instead of in my Corona-addled uh, fever fever brain. Uh, regular attendees, uh, if you've never been to one of these before, you, you start your day by standing in uh, a rather sizable security line. They need to make sure that uh, the gamers are not going to rise up and they haven't brought anything. By the way, did you guys hear that Gamers Rise Up got banned on Reddit today? Uh, no, that was not featured in The Economist. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't remember seeing that in the leaders section. You get it. You read the newspaper. Uh, um, I, I, oh, sorry, Hugo. No, I was going to say that Gamers Rise Up is this like Reddit that kind of started as a joke where it was like, oh, gamers are so oppressed, gamers got to rise up. And it was like, it was ironic. And I hadn't checked in on it for a few months. And I guess the internet got to it and it stopped being ironic, as all bad things are. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Yeah. Anyways. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. One down, you know, only 100,000 more subreddits to go. Who the fuck still uses Reddit? It's like. It's the same thing as like, how come you didn't respond to my Facebook invite? It's like, is are there people still on these things? Most are human people. beings still really? Yes, most people are still on Reddit and uh, fucking Facebook. Dude, that you don't believe how many people are still using uh, funny junk in armor games? <laughs> yeah, dude, Newgrounds is about to go through a big new resurgence. Yeah. That's where I find all my popular adult games. So, right, back to the topic at hand. Uh, you go through the security detectors, and there's really kind of two tiers to the uh, the PAX experience. There's the show floor, which is just this, it's basically a teeming mass of game booths that are all very tightly packed in. Uh, usually the ones at the front are for major studios, so... Uh, Sony was supposed to be there, but they pulled out. So, you know, Private Division and THQ Nordic, they had those front areas. Um, but then around the convention are a number of panels. And the convention hall opens uh, from 10 to 6. That's when you can walk around, buy your buy your swag, all that stuff. But the panels, they'll go on until, you know, up to midnight. So really, like, the convention hall is alive with activity pretty much all day and all night. And then it'll restart the next day. You know, a lot of people um, 
they'll take naps in the halls between between stuff and then depending on the the party crowd that you you roll with you can kind of think of it like like a like a rave it's that a lot of people have con crews that they go with that when the the hall closes down they then go and party in the hotel room um uh, as as a professional side of this, I don't see like basically any of that. Uh, we we get there at right when it opens, and uh, our schedule is back to back bookings pretty much all day. Well, yours were um, you you had me scheduled for like uh, you know several appointments that were like an hour, and I'd play the the game for 15 minutes and I'd be like okay I'm, I'm bored and I'd talk to the person for another 10 minutes and then I'd just have 40 minutes to like sit around and like walk around so um, I don't know where I was going with this I'm yeah cut, no I I'm actually I, I actually planned that so you can't cut it um, but the 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 first time you ever do these, it's it's pretty like hard to wrap your mind around just how confusing it can be because they they list out the booths by number, but the, the numbers seem to have like no correlation to like anywhere in space time reality. Like so, the booth like eight thousand will be directly next to the booth like twenty thousand and one. Like there's no there's the, the logic to it is is it was invented by space aliens, and you kind of like need to like figure out what the logic of the convention is. So eventually we figure out that like, oh, 8,000 is the bottom, bottom row, like the left hand wall or 30,000 is the back wall and uh, the top wall will be like 15,000 for like no reason. This is just what works in their brains. And uh, so a lot of the first day is mostly just figuring out the layout of like where your things are so that when your appointments come up, you can then figure out where to go. Which is why you had those thirty-minute blocks between things, because like you can get lost pretty easily in these things. Yeah. <laughs> Good input, Jesse. But yeah, so normally for um, most audiences, you'll stand in line for buying your pen. That's the weirdest thing. So Jesse, I'm sure you noticed this. The lines to buy merch were incredibly long. Obscene. Uh... I mean, imagine dedicating more than, I mean, first of all, the idea of spending more than one American greenback dollar on a pin is uh, outrageous in itself, much less like 20 for some, you know, cheap merch. Uh, Mm -hmm. But just spending like half your day in line to get, like in various lines to get like a handful of pins fuck that's so depressing like what do you i don't know man it's the same people who like wait you know wait in line like go to midnight releases for funko pops just so they can have this piece of like fun shaped garbage on their on their shelf like yeah it just i don't know yeah it feels like dread xp yeah, the only pin I'd be willing to spend, like, I don't know, $20 on would be one that maybe has, like, a dolphin taking a test on it or something. Then I'd spend $20 on that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Same with a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, I'd spend, like, 40 bucks on a t-shirt easily. Not not a game, though. That's a stupid concept for a game. No, just the merch. Yeah. <laughs> Remy, you gonna chime in there? I mean, I don't go to a lot of conventions. Uh, I usually only show up when I've got a booth there. And uh, when it comes down to it, I don't have a lot of time to, like, uh, go around and see what it's like for a festival goer. Yeah. 
I mean, okay, so the, the pin, that, that whole, like, culture, I don't really get because I'm just not into merchandise in general. Like, I'm the weirdest super fan of things because, like, uh, most super fans I know, their walls are adorned with, like, dozens and dozens of, like, things. And uh, I don't have, like, posters and Funko Pops and those pins that just they just, like, put on a board. And, like, I'm not really into that um, because I, I travel too much. It's, it's, like, so fucking impossible to actually, like, transport those things. But yeah, like when you're going to these these conventions, like uh, those 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 pins, like there's there's each booth can make an exclusive pin for the Penny Arcade show, and it's like it's up to them to to, to create the pin, and then they can only give them out at Penny Arcade, uh, one of their expos, and then you can collect them. And like I left with like a grip of like probably ten pins, just from like random booths giving them to me for being part of press so for us it's it's back-to-back seeing games all day running between them i shot 40 interviews like 40 videos during the time and uh i am we're still in the process of editing all those and then like you you finish and then like monday comes and you have to go back to your like normal work schedule of like posting articles and things like that so it it is a shit ton of work i always tell people that like you don't really understand how much work doing one of these is because you think like oh i'm just gonna go look at some video games and write a couple articles and i'll be done it's it's like so much more work than that Yeah, which Jesse got a taste of in his first time. So Jesse, how how do you, what is your overall impression of uh, the what what were your expectations going in versus what you actually experienced? Well, one, I would never ever ever want to do this if I was not getting paid. Or uh, no, I mean just if I if I was paying for it, like mm-hmm. how much are packs tickets? Like fifty dollars, hundred dollars. Oh, uh, God, how much are they? I'm going to look up PAX West tickets as we talk. Keep going. Um, yeah, just way too much money for uh, for demos. Um, I honestly don't get the massive hype because a lot of the things, it's like uh, either you're going to play it, in which case why demo it um, if you're just going to buy it, or you're not going to buy it, in which case, um, you know, Sure, it could be argued that it's good to try before you buy, but not if you're going to spend, you're going to drop $150 and wait in line for an hour um, and get uh, COVID-19. If, <laughs> you know, to, to try a game for 15 minutes. And yeah. the best example was um, probably, uh, 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 fuck. Animal Crossing. Final Fantasy VII. Final Animal Fantasy, Crossing, there you go. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII, at least, that's like a story-based game. And you could maybe, like, you know, do some action sequences. But, like, imagine waiting in line for, I don't know, we'll give them, let's say, 30 minutes. Because the line was really long. But we'll be really mm-hmm. generous. It was probably more, like, several hours. Imagine waiting in line to play Animal Crossing. And you finally get your hands on this new Animal Crossing game. You're so excited. You you start it up. You go into the you go into the you know the town, the village. There's a tutorial, and the tutorial for Animal Crossing is probably another hour. But you don't have an hour to play through Animal Crossing tutorial. You got like 15 minutes of just Isabel being like, "Here's how you chop down a tree," and then they kick you off. Like, that's it. Yeah, I would say that Animal Crossing is probably the most bizarre of the demos, and we were actually talking about this there. The, the Animal Crossing line 
So Nintendo had a, a, a large booth at this thing. It was probably the size of like six regular size booths. And it was all reserved for Animal Crossing. Um, like they, they just brought Animal Crossing to this one. And the line was like around the booth like twice. Like you had people standing in line next to people that they were like all the way around for. And it was it was like an absurd line. And I don't know if they were giving out pins or something for I played Animal Crossing so you could add it to your hall of shame, wall of shame. But uh, it was like you, you then you get to play for like 15 minutes. And I can understand like, okay, so Final Fantasy VII, they have a vertical slice demo, which is like you get to play through 15 minutes of the most action-y opening segments. Oh, this is what Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be like. Or, you know, for one of the multiplayer shooters like uh, Predator Hunting Grounds or GTFO or Dis- uh, Disintegration that was there. Oh, I get to play through a match of that. Now I get to see what this game's like. But Animal Crossing is a game that you have to put like eight hours into for it to become baseline fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a game about doing chores. Yeah, like, exactly. And like, so, it's supposed to be a relaxing thing. Yeah. Um, there's no, like, you're not going to see anything exciting. You're just going to be like, oh, yeah, there's mechanics for Animal Crossing, which are, I'm going to take a wild guess and say the exact same as every other Animal Crossing. Yeah, no, exactly. Except like, I, maybe I don't... now you can go, like, harpoon fishing instead of just regular fishing. Or some some very, uh, you know, in... Inconsequential edition. Inconsequential, thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm a wordsmith. That's why I get paid the big bucks. No, I mean, the real reason that people stand in line for these things isn't to, like, try it. It's to take a picture with themselves trying it so that their friends can know that they were there and they tried it. That's even sadder. I hadn't even thought of that. Fuck. Well, to be fair, that's, like, exactly the reason I take pictures in front of those things is so that, like, I can get, like, that sweet, sweet social media credit. You never know what's going to blow up. Yeah. I mean, but you're not doing it for for clout. You're doing it for uh, brand recognition. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, um, and that's the thing is that, like, I used to go to Comic-Con for fun myself when I was, like, a kid. And uh, I aged out of that when I I started having to, like, buy my own tickets. Because when I went as a kid, it was, like, with my dad. And as a spectacle for, like, children, it's really, really cool. Like, I I saw some, like, uh, like 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds running around and being like, whoa, like... For the sense of community and the sense of, like, this is, like, the larger nerd sphere that they can be a part of, I I think it's actually, like, a really, really cool experience uh, for that demographic. But, like, if you're, like, 30 and you're standing in life, life, standing in line with, uh, like, to get pins while your wife stands in another line to get her pins, like, that's, like, I don't know, something, something, something's wrong with your processing. And I I don't mean to, like, I'm probably coming off as a bit harsh, but. This is like something that for me doing it for work, it's really, really weird to see people there like standing around, like just waiting for like funsies. Did you were you were at uh what was the last thing that um uh Cyberpunk was at? Somebody was telling oh, me E3? the story. Yeah, E three. Um Cyberpunk uh like Yeah, just... you want me to actually recap what it was like? Because I, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. You okay, do, so you CD Projekt Red at E3 in general does this thing where they let non um, press into their demos. So they usually have their demos in these very large. So most of the time at E3, um, you'll have your press demo by going into like the small room that's not on the convention center floor. It's like in one of the meeting rooms nearby, and um, it'll be like you and then the developer, and then you know they have this this room booked out. So it'll usually be like four press kind of in and out. 
CD Projekt Red usually rents a few of those, some of the bigger ones, and then turns it into a theater. And they invite uh, big waves of people to come through at once for like one hour long or 30 minute demo. And they usually invite people that aren't just uh, press. They also invite industry. Because, so they make it kind of like a, like a whole thing. And usually in their pre-demo uh, room, they'll have like an open bar. So you go in, you wait 15 minutes before the demo starts, you get a couple drinks, um, you do your shots, and then you go into the demo, have a good time. And so a lot of times what we'll, they'll do is they'll invite all the other industry, the people that are there that usually are sitting in their booths all day, and they'll give them a chance to get away from their booths and like, hey, you know, cycle your people through to come for an hour. Um, and as a result, they usually have a high volume of people going in and out. And um, so the people that are the fans or the press that weren't big enough to get a booking or some of the people that are there for various other reasons that don't book, they try to get in on that because they see all these people coming in and out and they, they stand in line. Now, the thing is, is that they tell you when you get there, they're like, we booked like the whole thing. Like, so the only way you're going to be able to get in is if you stand here and one person doesn't show up for this experience. And so you have this line of people that stands there from the morning and they're just hoping that someone doesn't show up for their appointment. And they'll let you know like five minutes before it starts like, oh, this person didn't show up. You can go in. And then they go in and they see. And and because it's like so many of the people, this is their only appointment because they're industry and not press. And for all the press, this is probably going to be the biggest appointment they have of E3. And it's an open bar. No one's missing it. And so like you have these people that will sit there all day waiting to try to get a glimpse of, of cyberpunk. And I was like, that that is that's the cyberpunk story. It's depressing, man. I mean, isn't yeah. that the most cyberpunk concept? Just like giving, giving, I mean, a whole day of your life just to get a glimpse into a you know a fantasy world. Yeah, I mean, there a is something kind of world. poetic about the the industrial process of sitting outside the gates, wanting to be a member of the the elite, allowed within the halcyon walls of a. Uh, you know, the, the promised land, but PAX East, um, the interesting thing about PAX is that they don't have yet the infrastructure to do a lot of the stuff that the other conventions do. So as big as PAX is, it's not as much money as like E3 or Comic-Con. So um, most of the interviews we did were still like on the show floor with very, very few being in uh, nearby bookings. I mean, I, I think the only ones that we really had that were in like nearby uh, venues were uh, one I can't talk about because I'm still under NDA on it. Uh, disintegration. Uh, uh, People Can Fly was in uh, the hotel next door. Not hotel. Uh, yes, the hotel next door. Uh, and then uh, Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous was in the hotel next door. Yeah. But that was a cool yeah. one. Um I don't know if this is shit talking the developers because they were cool guys, but uh, it felt like we were in a, a drug deal with the Russian mafia. I mean, the guy was yeah. wearing um, like a, a track suit and had a had a silver chain. Um, it was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Damien is a pretty cool guy. If Damien's listening, hello. But uh, the the that whole like uh, hotel room. Uh, rendezvous is largely what the experience of doing Comic Con as press is like. It's you spend basically no time on the floor, and instead you are entirely in uh, hotel drug deals like that. You're you're basically always waiting for like the the camera to like come out and someone to tell you about the casting deal that you're you're about to get. Uh, you're gonna have to you know perform some actions for. 
Yeah. Who's chirping? That would be I the bird. think that's a I'd, bird. That would be the bird oh, outside. <laughs> Someone's phone. <coughs> a fourth host bird outside. Oh, God, I coughed into the microphone. I was trying to prevent that this whole time. Whoever uses the mic next is going to get all get a sticky mic. It's going to just be me. It's my microphone. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I shot, like I said, I shot about 40 videos. Jesse, you shot a bunch. Anything that really stood out as um, memorable for you? Um, I got, uh, well, okay, the, the only one truly innovative thing that I saw there was, and this was very impressive, this was, this outshined all the cool new VR games and all the, every, uh, AAA title that was coming, um, Super Meat Boy can now punch. Oh yeah? Which, which game was that? That would be Super Meat Boy. Punch. Super Meat Boy, he can punch. Whatever the next one is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Super Meat Boy. Is it Super Meat Boy Forever? Yes. Okay, he can punch now. He can punch. Yeah, I remember you coming back to the hotel and you've been like, holy shit, guys, they changed the game. Dude, every... Yeah. <laughs> the world will never be the same, I kept saying. Jesus Christ. Um, but I would say we probably got back every night around... I don't know, 10, but we had to be up at 8 every morning to go out, and so we were in bed pretty quick. It's not its not really, like, there's these industry parties that you get to go to and stuff, but they're not, you don't, like, hang out until, you don't close the bar down, you know? Yeah, um, and uh, I was a fan of the Polish, the Polish club, because it looked like they imported uh, real Polish architecture. Yeah. Um, oh man, the Polish party was it was a it was using the spare room on top of the Polish community center. We, it, was it was like they airlifted a room from Stalker. Yeah, to, it was pretty. Ha- having just come back from Poland, like before that, I was like, oh my god, I'm right back in it. It was a lot of round tables with a black tablecloth and like '90s music playing in the background because the Poles really do love the '90s. It's like, as soon as the Soviet Union fell, they were like, oh my god, let's absorb all the culture. So they're still super into Britney Spears and stuff like that. There's a Britney Spears pop-up. A, a what? There's a Britney Spears pop-up. It's uh, right next to the Grove. They actually transformed, like, an old uh, supermarket. And it's, like, an entire experience. I have not been to it. I don't have an interest in going to it. But I know someone who did go to it, and they say it was absolutely amazing. I, yeah, I what, have, did, what did Adam think of it? Yeah, he, he loved it. He said it's something he's never seen before, and he would go back again to, to check it out. Yeah, that, uh, what is there? I don't know. I'm guessing stuff about Britney Spears. Because when you say pop-up, like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, it just means it's going to be there for, like, a set run time before they gut the uh, place again. No, no, I know. I, I understand that the the concept of it, it of a pop up, but like I think it's interesting that you can like say something and I understand what it is without with while simultaneously having no idea what it is. Remy, why don't you talk a bit about DreamHack? Uh, DreamHack was great. We were invited to come along because we were at South by Southwest and they remembered our game and we were local. We were able to head on over there. It's always tough to get a convention set up up and running, especially with virtual reality. 
But even though it was also a convention that didn't have a lot of people cycling through to like play games, I understand that it's an esports convention first and foremost. We still had a good showing. People loved the game. We were really happy to be there, and we saw some cool games around us as well. Yeah, there were some pretty cool games there. I actually went just kind of like on a lark because uh, it's in Anaheim, which is like only an hour from where I live. And in terms of being a journalist, that's like a freebie. Um, I, I like applied like a week before just to like see if I could get in. And they were like, oh, my God, press want to come. And um, I was I will say uh, for a convention that's that's something I've heard of before, because I've heard of DreamHack for a long time. Uh, I was shocked with how few people were there on Thursday. I believe it or was Friday. because... Friday, yeah. I believe it was because it was the first time they had DreamHack in Anaheim. Is it? Uh, yeah. So it's usually not an Anaheim convention. It's usually, I believe, in uh, uh, the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've never been to a DreamHack before, but as, as far as I knew, it's kind of like one of those uh, Evos or... Um, QuakeCon, where it's like mostly competitive, and uh, you can definitely tell that that's their focus when you get there. But like, I don't understand how people are supposed to like. So if you watch competitive sports, right? You go to the sports bar; they have the sports on the TVs, or you go to the arena and they have the sports in in front of you. In this, it was like they had like all these different stages, and like just like to try it out, I tried to sit down in one and listen to one of the games going on. And it, it's really almost impossible because it, in a convention hall of that size, you're going to get interference on what you're listening to. And so it's, it seems like rather difficult to watch whatever game you're most interested in, unless it was on the main stage, because that main stage where they're playing, I'm just going to guess Fortnite, because that's what everyone plays. Uh, that one was relatively insulated in the sound. But yeah, Remy, you didn't really get to walk around and actually see the esports stuff, did you? Not uh, in any sort of like focus capacity. As I was like running around, making sure that we had all the right equipment and making sure my team was well stocked on food and water and napkins and stuff like that, I would get snippets of people who were, you know, discussing the finer points of like the uh, CS:GO tournament that was going on there. But I, I couldn't tell you uh, who was winning, what team was playing, nothing like that. Yeah, it's like, basically the way that you can envision it is that most of these conventions are like booths where you can play games. And that was where the indie, there's an indie section towards the back left-hand side of the convention center. And that had probably four rows of about maybe eight games in each row on each side. So there were probably about 40 games there to check out if you were, you know, trying to min-max your way through the uh, the convention. And, um, which is a fair amount. That's like a day worth of, uh, convention going and then the rest of it was these giant stages with big subwoofers uh you know talking about their game and then between those were uh like targeted merchandising booths so like dead mouse gaming gear had a booth that you could sit in and play games and if you did you were entered a raffle to win like a thing and they were kind of just doing giveaways the whole time i think a lot of that stuff is really being like pushed hard because especially like personal brands are like are getting into uh like the streamer culture like it's it's mm -hmm. just a thing to set kind of set you apart like those race car chairs and stuff like that or like beats by dre headphones those are now being specifically targeted towards the streaming crowd yeah no definitely i think that um like a lot of 
gamer gear is now targeted towards because the, the the demographic of people that that game is kind of like trending up and if you're going to have a convention like dreamhack anaheim most of the people that are going to that are people that can like can't afford to go to that and so you know to try to be selling these high-end gaming chairs and gaming headsets etc I, I think is like you know a pretty good investment for for something like that i mean it makes far more sense to me to go to one of those things and try out different high-end uh gaming gear so like they, they like they had the msi booth and they had like the uh uh lucid sound booth and like all these different peripheral booths where you could like actually try out the keyboards and the mouses and the headsets and stuff which like that makes more sense to me than buying pins because like to go to pa- the penny arcade to buy pins is like why are you spending money to spend money whereas uh dreamhack is like oh here's the place where you can actually try out the gear before you buy it because a lot of times you can drop like 200 bucks on a headset and then figure out that it's just as good as like a 40 dollar headset you know and so that I get, like, I actually kind of understood DreamHack. I mean, aside from the, 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 the kind of the depressing low turnout of it, like, I really did kind of get why it was attractive. Uh, I don't know if it was a depressingly low turnout. It seemed like it was just like a convention that was trying to get its way into an area where it wasn't held before, especially for a purpose, like, uh, that, uh, wasn't really used for it. I mean, again, like, I think it's a convention that's normally just marketed as, like, come here and we're gonna all like you know watch some tournaments and stuff like that uh i was very surprised that dreamhack had like a gaming section in fact i i I thought that just wasn't wasn't something that they had well i mean okay you also have to take into consideration that being held in the anaheim convention center which has four halls in the main area uh it was only taking up one hall it was only taking up hall d uh two of hall a's and halls a and b were being taken up by christcon a convention of catholics this is actually true so uh, you had a great uh, cross-section of gamers, uh, pro-gamers, elite gamers, and uh, actual monks in the same convention center. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I remember that walking in with, like, you know, headsets, computers, laptops, what have you, there was always some dude who had, like, a cardboard stand set up screaming at everyone that were going to go to hell. Uh, and then there was also a bunch of Catholics, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's funny. I mean, imagine, because they always have those guys that are protesting, like, uh, gay people are going to cause volcanoes. Like, that's just in front of every convention. That's just happening. And um, although, I guess at PAX East, that weren't really happening because it was 20 degrees outside, so uh, everyone was dead. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, so it's out of PAX, uh, DreamHack Anaheim. They have the shouting billboard guys, you're all going to hell. And... Uh, but I, I can't imagine that they were like trying to selectively call them out. So if like you had the the badge that was like for Christ Con, they're like, okay, you're cool. But then every gamer, they were like, you're going to hell, and it was just muddying their message. Yeah. So that was my joke. Are think... you still there? I'm here. Okay, cool. I'm I'm smiling and giving you the thumbs up. You can't see that on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Remy, so what was it like being on the other side of things? Uh. Any convention that you're setting up a booth to, you're just trying to make sure that it looks nice and inviting to people. They can see what you're getting. We always have people who are playing like the entire section of our game, which is a five minute long level. And so we like to make sure that we preempt it with like being people being able to see it, which is why we get the projector to blow it all up big and nice. Uh, you got other people who like, you know, have games that they've got like a bunch of laptops and like you're supposed to sit down on it for 30 minutes and have, like, a giant tutorial explain everything. The, our game, you know, it's got the Nintendo effect. You look by, you see it for five seconds, and you kind of understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we always try to make uh, fun things for it. Sometimes we've got like the drawing station where people can draw stuff while they're waiting in line. Uh, sometimes we've got people who write down questions and we can add those to the game later. This time we made stickers, uh, stickers of the dolphins, and those were crazy wild popular, I'm happy to say. Uh, what other highlights were there? Uh, yeah, tons of uh, highlights. Uh, but in terms of like you being coronavirus, like, especially for uh, people who are running booths at the convention, cleanup oh, yeah. is an entire thing that nobody ever notices us doing like when when they're not watching like when nobody is like watching us we are like under the table scrubbing everything disinfecting everything gargling hand sanitizer uh especially with vr setups like being oh, yeah. the person injecting who, the corona directly into your eyeballs oh you, it is not a good experience if you've never done vr before you're so excited you're so happy you put on the headset and then it's like a wet squish it's the worst thing fucking ever. It's the worst thing fucking ever. Yeah, uh, I imagine. But no, it was great. We had the dual setup. Uh, like you said, it wasn't the most uh, populous convention. Even so, there was very rarely any sort of uh, occasions where we had time to like lean. Uh, we were always uh, having someone who was coming around saying, oh, I got to try this next after this guy, which, mm-hmm. is, which is always fantastic. We're so happy about that. I would be even happier if, as planned, we were able to get a release date for our game. But uh, life uh, wants me to know that it hates me, and I can't have anything nice, and uh, every day that I live will be worse than the previous one. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just great to see the kind of uh, eternal spiral downwards. Mm, yeah. like you, you, you always think it's a rock bottom, but then you find another steam shovel that can just scoop another handful out, you know? I think that the fact that I'm not hopeless is part of the divine punishment because I'm always reaching for an unattainable escape. Yeah. No, I think that, you know, in the in the true sense of, you know, Kafka's metamorphosis, like you have you would not be aware of the fact that you are becoming a bug. Like you are become so far downwards that like your senses no longer possess the faculty to even like distinguish between torment and non-torment. Exactly. Except in this yeah. case, it's a dolphin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a, it's an exchange student. It's a guy in a dive suit. Yes, that is actually true. You are not a dolphin in the game. Uh, people assume you are, and uh, I don't feel the need to correct them. <laughs> <laughs> Remy, did you know that dolphins rape? Oh, I didn't. This is the first time this news has come to my ears. My goodness. Well, let me tell you something. We We love the humor. We love... We love the laughs. Don't you worry. Uh, we will release sometime this year. Send me your email address. We will send you send you links to t-shirts. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And then you, you pat them on the back and you get them to go away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so overall, uh, having been to both of them, um, like... While uh, the oh my gosh, uh, while we're doing this, Google, which is clearly listening to me, just uh, had a little pop up that says coronavirus. How we're helping? Google's helping. Yeah, Google just had a little pop up saying like, "Hey, you want to know more about the coronavirus?" I wish they w- they would stop it rather than help it. Yeah, I know, right? We were sitting we were sitting in a uh, uh, in an Uber with an infectious disease specialist on the way back from uh, PAX. And uh, so my question was like, oh, helping or preventing? And uh, she didn't get the joke. It was, it, was, it was a pretty awkward Uber ride. But anyways, um, 
Yeah, so for those of you at home wondering about the glorious life of a, a video game journalist, it is like it's not a lot of standing in line. Like we kind of get to skip the line, but it is like Oh yeah. I do like that they treat us uh not like royalty, but like um journalists that they're just trying to impress because we are. Yeah. Um the probably the the best I mean, there were a couple good things. I mean, most of the time they just give us some like, you know, uh garbage themed like their game but there was one uh i believe it was tiny build whose thing for journalists was uh they had a upright uh upright massage chair and you would just get a massage while playing the game like they they brought in a few massage therapists to yeah um best experience of my life honestly i didn't even like the game at some like halfway through I put down the game and I was like I just yeah no I mean it was uh there's there are some nice perks to it but uh it's like if if you're going to PAX to be part of the the hive there's there's definitely a an appeal to it that I very rarely uh feel that kind of hype that they feel it's like every time that I go to one of the E3 showcases, like the Xbox showcase or the, the PlayStation showcase, it's always a spectacle. And you can definitely see the spectacle of the convention. And if you have like a spare $6,000 to burn and you have like nothing to do with that money, like you, you have that money. If you don't spend it by midnight, then they kill your parents. Like go to PAX. You can f- certainly fucking spend all your money there. And it's it's there's some cool stuff there that you can find. Um, but like. For me personally, like I would much rather if I was personally going to any kind of convention, go to something like a DreamHack, um, because it's it's smaller, it's a little bit more directed, and uh, and, and like you get to see some really cool indie stuff. I saw some like genuinely cool stuff there. That uh, not to say that there wasn't cool stuff at PAX East. It's just it's harder to find it amongst the the the, the hordes of nerds. <clears throat> Yeah. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're moving on to. Uh, <coughs> are, are we Sorry, doing? My, my cat just jumped on me. Are we doing the interview? Um, I just told you that we're not doing an interview today. Oh shit! Sorry. I'm... I said that at the beginning of the podcast. I was I'll not paying attention. attention. Yeah, Remy. Remy will be the interview. We already got his uh, spiel in Classroom Aquatic. There you go. All right. Well, my last question. Remy, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's there's an opportunity for it to be doing better. Uh, you know, GDC has been delayed, so there's the window of opportunity to release the game before GDC, which I was considering committing suicide uh, about. No, I mean, well, I guess that kind of answers my question. I meant, like, how are you doing, not, like, how's video game doing uh so i had the wonderful idea of my life uh you know you know that the gattaca quote right uh you know i i didn't have any i didn't save anything left or whatever right he only made it the one thing he was doing yeah Uh, i did that too this is a really bad idea for your mental health when when like you you've got one thing uh that you're doing uh, and like all of your self-worth hinges on it uh, and it doesn't go well kind of think you're just like worthless and pathetic and and should die that's a big mood um ted's computer crashed he says 
That's right. I'm taking over this podcast. Welcome to the Real Professional Podcast. We're here. I'm going to talk about video games. DJ, drop that sick Look at me. I'm the captain now. That was a good movie. I don't want to rewatch it, though, because I don't need the COVID-19's effect on video games. What do you think? What do you think? Um, positive. The more dead gamers, the better the state of video games. Ideally, it will kill every single last one of us. It's going to delay a lot of stuff. I know consoles are definitely being hit. I know, especially on the VR side, things have taken a hard stop because there's nobody doing any construction on these things. Factories uh, in affected areas have completely told all their pers- people to, to just stay home. Uh, this has big effects on a lot of, a lot of people. Um, are we talking about the coronavirus? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's actually pretty serious when it comes to like how it's halting video game production, especially yeah. VR, because headsets are not being built. That is going to delay release dates. Uh, it's harder and harder to get like a hold of people because they've literally taken everyone off what they were doing to focus on trying to stay on top of like how borked all manufacturing is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, it's, it's tough for us. Uh, on the digital side, I'm wondering if this is going to give people uh, anything that they can work with when so many of the people on the big publisher side are incredibly worried about having a lot of people in a lot of places, which is a big part of their industry. Yeah. I will say that uh, this might be like our, our most chaotic and uh, biggest... Uh, uh, failure of a podcast yet, but uh, it might be historically the most relevant one because this might be the last convention to ever happen. You think that we're all going to have to be forced underground into individual tunnel pods? If, well, if the so, law is just, he will make it so. No, okay, so they canceled GDC while we were at PAX. Like, we were in an appointment, and like the PR guy was like, oh, motherfucker. Um, and... Uh, it's like he was like, I got 20 people that are supposed to go to PAX. They just canceled it. What am I going to do? And uh, they just canceled South by Southwest. They canceled Emerald City Comic Con. They canceled like a ton of conventions. Um, and we're looking down the barrel at like maybe E3 is going to get canceled. Maybe PAX West is going to get canceled. We have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty serious. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, like, I got, I get sick pretty much every time I go to a convention. Like, I'm sick right now. I started getting the tinglys in my throat two days ago, and what I did was I, I took a bottle of Nyquil, and I, I, I just chugged that bad, bad boy, and I've been asleep for like the past two days, and that usually helps me kick the cold right out of my system. So I'm like on the mend right now, but hopefully I got coronavirus and I'm now getting better, so that in like I don't get it again because I think that's how viruses work. It is almost impossible to work at a convention uh, and not get sick. Whether you call it festival virus or festivirus or conventionitis. Uh, I just call it the con cold. The con cold. That's good. That's good. No, you're shaking so many hands. You're talking to so many people. You're you're running around doing so many different things. I personally think that, like, especially because we're VR, it's because we're cleaning these headsets so much, even though we're, like, swiping it down with wet wipes every time that uh we can uh it's still like transferring it like it's is impossible mm-hmm. um you need to get like little paper covers for it like a doctor's office 
Like, uh, <laughs> put your papers you put over the mask. <laughs> yeah. You do a cutout over their forehead. <laughs> but no, at PAX, like, so many people were, like, elbow doing the elbow shakes where they just, like, touch elbows or, like, anything like that. And I was like, are you serious? Like, you're not going to, that's not going to help. Like, you're just breathing the air. Like, the air at this point is 90% coronavirus. Like, we're all, we're all dead. Not to mention the food at conventions must contribute to getting sick because oh, it is Jesus. just, this, it's, it's horrible. Well, like, people don't believe me when I tell them that I don't eat, like, until the end of the convention. Like, I, I will, basically, we wake up, we go to the convention center, we do our appointments all through the day, and I don't eat any of the convention food. Because, first off, the convention food is, like, $14 for, like, a shitty sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I thought I was buying um, a breakfast sandwich for 350 and it turns out I was buying or two breakfast sandwiches for 350 each turns out I was buying breakfast calzones for seven dollars each uh each one um the size of uh uh Motorola razor <laughs> yeah that's that's honestly something I have no idea about how anyone uh, like accepts that Whatever we go to a convention, we stomp off at a Trader Joe's or something like that, and then just like bring a whole bunch of wraps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the con food, uh, I feel so bad for everyone who's like eating it. It it seems like it has been microwaved in the device that sparked the Cascade event in Half Life. Yeah, uh, exactly. It has no nutrition. Actually, eating it saps away like you know vital proteins from your body. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it just seems like a festering ground for bacteria and grease and everything like that. It's gross. Yeah, I only usually eat at the after parties. Um, it's also like how I keep costs down as I try to eat the free food that's provided to me. And um, I, I'll have to say like the, the after party food is usually pretty good. Uh, but the convention center food, I mean, and like I don't want to Jerry Seinfeld this. I'm like, what's the deal with convention center food? Uh, it's it's a captive audience. You have to walk through security again if you want to go outside to get things. I've eaten me at once a convention. I usually have to like stop and eat a roll because I'm just like four days with basically no food. I load up on sugars at whatever booth has like treats, so I ate probably forty Starbursts. And I will say that like convention centers are now trying to do the thing where they they try to sell you food that looks like food. So, like, a while, I remember, like, 15 years ago, like, convention centers would sell you, like, hey, here's your shitty, completely cylindrical nachos here's your covered in, yeah, magma cheese, and there's 15 bucks, go fuck yourself. And then they started making the booths themselves look nice, so they all have names like, you know, the Tiki Lounge or something like that, the Oasis, and they would still sell you those shitty nachos. Now they're at least making the nachos look like food but they still taste terrible like shane uh, our camera person got this chicken sandwich that and the bun was purple which i'm guessing was they're trying to make it fun and jaunty but uh it was it looked it was like he was like this this tastes like a, a shitty mcchicken and it was 12 dollars. you know fuck yeah, yeah. Fuck less, it. lesson learned it's so expensive too just everybody please remember to stop off at a supermarket and and bring food in please yeah, well, remember, Jesse, they had the Attila the Bun or whatever? Oh, incredible. Um, imagine a uh, cinnamon bun probably the size of your head for $20. Yeah. I thought it was a prank. I thought it was, like, made of, uh, like, paper mache or something when I saw it in the, in the thing. 
I thought it was like, oh, that's that's a fun gag. No, there were people walking around with cake boxes with it. Just like yeah. People eating that fair, shit. To be fair, though, if you're trying to get the best value for calories for a dollar in the convention center, a telethon was probably the best. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I, I think I'm done. I gotta lay down. Yeah. I got a fucking massive headache. Yeah, I think we should probably wrap it up. Remy, you got anything else you want to talk about? I think that's all for me. Be sure to email contact at Classroom Aquatic if you want a sticker. I'll get you a sticker. I'll send you a sticker. All right, you any, send me a sticker. Yeah. If I'll you send you a sticker. Send us all stickers. Viewers, email Remy at Remy dot whatever his last name is at gmail.com and he'll send that you a sticker. That is not my email. Classroomacrotic at gmail.com. Aquatic, not acrotic. I said aquatic. Whatever. Everyone, no, acrotic isn't a word. They, they figured it out. Anyways, if you have any problems with today's podcast, go ahead and shoot a Remy a DM at Classroom Aquatic, Twitter at Classroom Aquatic, or at Classroom Aquatic at gmail.com. Uh, anyways, Jesse, have fun editing that shit. And uh, right, we, I'm just going to say, what? We're going to have like maybe 15 minutes of podcast after I'm done. Yeah, cool. We'll leave this part in so that everyone knows why it's so shitty. Anyways, bye. Bye. See you guys. It just occurred to me this is some kind of rinky-dink Mickey Mouse fatwa they got going on.